Hello, this is Tanya Locks, and you're listening to the Tanya Locks Show. I want to take a quick minute to give thanks to you for listening to my podcast, the ones that I have shared so far, and the ones uh, to come. Hopefully, you stay tuned in. I greatly appreciate your listening and taking out the time to do so. If you have any questions, you can always ask in the comments, and I would love it if you would subscribe. That would be great. So again, thank you, and I appreciate you. Now, on today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with the lovely Sabinters Williams, and she's going to share a very personal um, story that I'm sure some people will um, either connect with or know someone who's gone through this, or you have maybe gone through this yourself and you don't know how to deal with it or get help, or, you, or you know, you're stuck in it, and maybe you're ashamed to share your story. But I appreciate her bravery for sharing her story because not many people are brave enough to share their story. Not, not because they're not brave, but because of other circumstances or situations that keep others from from sharing their stories. I know I've shared my story um, many a times in my book, uh, Love Life Lessons Learned, that I'm a co-author of in my chapter, chapter nine, and I talk about my upbringing and some of the things that has happened to me. And as a young kid, um, I was um, sexually assaulted by someone much older than I than myself and you know yes sometimes it's hard to talk about and I won't go into great details here because this podcast is not about me it's about some interest but she's going to share her story and hopefully guys I hope that this story really help you and you know um, in some way maybe it would help someone else but she's going to tell us about her um, what happened and how she made it through She's a strong woman. That's what I can tell you. She's very strong. So stay tuned. Enjoy the podcast. Connect, subscribe, ask questions, and continue to listen. Have a great one. It's going to be a good one. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Good hey, morning, this, good morning. How are you? This has been quite an adventure, I say. Yes, it has. But hey, we're on. Are you off to a great start this morning? I am. I'm always awesome and amazing. <laughs> you are. Ask anyone. Your 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 last name is Williams, and my maiden name is Williams, and we're both from New Orleans. Hmm. We might be sisters. <laughs> Say that again. I said we might be sisters. Papa was a Rolling Stone. <laughs> My grandfather was a Rolling Stone. I tell you that. But that's another podcast. We'll have so, we'll have a discussion are. about that. <laughs> yes, I'm from the Ninth Ward and the Florida Project, like one of the worst projects in New Orleans. Uh, I was also born and raised there, so. Tell me about you. You're from New Orleans. Where were you born and raised? So I was um, born and raised in the neighborhood called Treme. It is where Jazz was born. And so um, 
I I've lived like literally everywhere in the city, but my roots are in Treme. My grandparents lived there. My family owned a bar called the Little People's Place. It was one of the bars that was um, was um, slightly featured in the miniseries Treme, and then also um, on the Craig Ferguson show, which is kind of funny. Um, but basically, it is like this little hole in the wall where um, jazz musicians come to play. So if you're ever in New Orleans and you want to hang, hear some great jazz, uh, the Little People's Place might be where you need to check out. So I'm going to remember that the next time I go to New Orleans. We yes. The food is just mm, so good. They make good fish plates at the Little People's Place, too. So you might check that out like on a Friday. Awesome. So what brought you here to Dallas? Um, so after I graduated from high school, I went to college at Grambling, and I majored in mass communication broadcasting. And um, I, I had a career in television as a news producer. So for 16 years, I was a news producer. I came to Texas. I used to work at CBS 11. And uh, eventually I left to focus on my family. And uh, then I pursued a career in education. I've worked at UCA. Uh, I currently work as a faculty member at the University of Phoenix. Um, And I teach media and communication. So I kind of get paid to talk about like the media and social media and how that all impacts our daily culture. Wow. No wonder you're so good at it. I mean, you're really good at social media. You're also a runner. You belong to or part of the Black Girls Run Club. So am I here in Dallas, but you're way more than I am. Like, you are a serious runner. You have run like 200 marathons, 100 half marathons, 1,005 pages. What got you on this journey to running? So, in 2000, she's exaggerating, y'all, about the number of races that I've completed, but I'm close. I am very close. I have completed a lot of all those races, those distances, but um, in 2011, I looked in the mirror and I found myself overweight and unhappy with my situation. I decided to change my diet and then um, around the first, it was around September 2010. And then around January, my birthday is January 21st. So on my birthday, I um, decided that I wanted to start doing some fitness. I had lost 36 pounds with no exercising at all. But around my birthday, usually when people drop off their resolutions, I said that I wanted to um, start walking as a way to just keep the weight off. It was kind of like my maintenance plan. And so um, eventually walking turned into running, turned into doing races, and then the rest is pretty much history. Um, right now I'm training for the Cowtown Marathon. Um, I'm not 100%, so I decided that I was going to run a couple of half marathons in the effort to get through that. I definitely don't recommend that for anybody who wants to do their first half marathon, but because I've run so many marathons, I'm figuring my experience will get me through the distance. Mm. Well, I can relate. Like you, um, some years ago, maybe about nine years ago, I after I had my twins or maybe my baby girl I I went into a little depression and I was overweight as well and I wanted to lose weight this that and the other and I went to my doctor and um 
he tried to prescribe me some, I think it's Zoloft, um, some depression medicine. And I just didn't want to get on the medicine. You know, nothing is wrong with taking medicine, but I felt like I could handle it. Like I can, you know, do this, not really on my own, but with prayer and stuff like that. And so I started walking and then I started running and then I started, one of my friends asked me to do a half marathon. So I started running, doing half marathons and 5Ks and stuff like that. And that has actually helped me with my depression. And some of the, and I think, you know, a lot of times, or some of the reason why I was a little depressed is because of my upbringing, my childhood and the things that I've gone through in my childhood. Like I've been molested. that by somebody older than than me and that has also played a part in my journey in running my coping mechanism it has been for me um so have you been through anything like that kind of like that or what you know what helps you cope well I can I can see you running we see that running helps you cope as well but anything in your life that you've been through that running helps with so um i know we kind of talked i have um i've been attacked and sexually assaulted on myself about 19 years old 19 years ago not 19 years old 19 years ago um i was um attacked in my home um basically the person i had a party at my house and um and someone left a door open. I was unaware that the door was even, um, I was unaware that someone had ever went through the door. So I didn't check my locks when everybody left to make sure because nobody was using that door. But um, behold, someone uh, left a door open. I didn't check it. So I definitely accept responsibility for not checking my locks. But um, basically, uh, the person who attacked me watched as the party left and disabled the power to my home, entered my home, and um, basically um, punched me in the face and broke my jaw in three places and uh, uh, attempted to rape me. I wasn't raped, but I definitely was sexually assaulted. Um, at some point during the attack, I was complying. I had my son in the bed with me, and um, the person threatened to kill me and my son. So at some point, I complied, but they said that there were others in the house as well. Um, but I guess my instincts and my desire and will to fight um, kicked in at some point during the attack, and I decided that I wasn't going to be a victim anymore and that I was going to fight um, this person off me. And uh, and so basically, I stabbed the person. My attacker was never caught. Um, and it is something that I live with every day. I always tell people, I don't talk about it because I don't want people to kind of consider me a victim. Um, but I do think that um, people can learn from my situation. The first thing is always check your locks. Um, and sometimes my attack makes me paranoid. Um, that someone is going to attack me from the back or attack me when I'm vulnerable. When you're sleeping, you're probably most vulnerable because you're in another state of mind, uh, relaxation, especially if you're not dreaming. And so for someone to violate you in that way is definitely 
um, the ultimate violation. But at some point, I just decided that I was not going to let this person take me out of, you know, some awesomeness. I had just bought a home. It hadn't even been a year. Um, you know, like I'm like a first generation high school graduate, first generation graduate from college, first generation homeowner in my family. And so uh, maybe not first generation, maybe second generation. And so ultimately uh, for being a homeowner, but ultimately I was just like, you know, this person basically stole my security um, from me because now uh, not only was he violating me as a woman, but he was violating the home I had fought so hard, so hard to earn and have for myself. And now I couldn't like, after the attack, it was months before I could even just go in my home. Mm-hmm. But um, my family member that I was living with, um, at some point she told me, she said, um, what would you do if you didn't have me, you know, if you didn't have us to come to? And I was like, I would probably be home. And then that was the day I went home. And um, I still never felt comfortable in the house. And I, that was probably one of the reasons I left New Orleans. Mm. But um, but I always, um, you know, like no one wants to be, I guess, be a victim or consider themselves victims, especially if they are functioning individuals. Um, but sometimes I do think that my attack makes me um, it makes me uh, less. Uh, I get. I don't know if the word is uh, I, commitment. And <laughs> I have issues with commitment because I maybe I think that somebody is going to uh, violate the security that I created for the relationship, and so mm-hmm. I don't know if that prevents me from having healthy relationships with women, healthy relationships with people in my family, healthy relationships with men. Um, because sometimes I do think that if someone doesn't want to have a relationship with me, no matter at what level, family, friends, or even, um, I guess, intimate, um, like in a man, a relationship, then I just think, okay, no problem. <laughs> I never fight. I never fight for it because I just always think that if people don't think that the really like it takes two to make a relationship. Yes. And everybody, if everybody is not fighting for it equally, then then it is disposable to me. Like to me, I think that if I say I'm going to give up and you say, you know what, I'm not going to give up, it makes me less likely to give up. But if you're giving up on the relationship or the friendship that we have, then it makes me say, okay, I can give up too. So I don't know if um, maybe being violated in that way makes me say I need to be able to move on from this um, then uh, I don't know I always try to process it I definitely consider myself like a well-adjusted um, considering what I have been through I know that there are people who have been violated in the same way who can't overcome that mentally and it mm-hmm. haunts their life um, but I just feel like I'm not going to be defined by a coward who disabled the power to my house violated me in my bedroom with my toddler child and he's not going to have my life i'm not going to be defined by this situation um but certainly that situation has made me a lot more aware of my surroundings uh, whether i am in my home or outside of it um i will never sometimes i have nightmares um but 
But for the most part, I definitely think that it is not a defining moment in terms of how I treat people. And so I always treat people the way I want people to treat my child, not even the way I want to be treated. I want my child to be treated with love and respect and honor. And so that's the way I treat other people. Wow. That is, you just never know what people have gone through what they're going through and what they are suffering through you just never know um you said that you think about this every day like right this has happened to you so you think about it every day and you have you want you kind of wonder if this keeps you from being in a committed relationship this that and the other but your trust has been violated so I can see that it's hard to make any kind of commitment to anybody but I wonder have you had therapy have you had any like counseling sessions about this so I did I did have therapy afterwards and um I did like some group therapy with rape crisis and then I also did um some individual therapy and um you know, like when I was in the therapy sessions, a lot of people, their situations were kind of different from mine. Like I was attacked. A lot of the people who I was in a group with had been attacked by like a family member or someone who they knew and trusted. And so um, at some point I was moved out of that therapy because, um, I, you know, like just growing up, um, I guess in a humble environment, you work hard for the things that you have and you you don't like give that up easily. And so for me, that's kind of how I apply my attack to my thought process. Like, yes, I was violated, but no, I wasn't gonna let this ruin how I function daily that I I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was scarred for life. And like, when you think about like young ladies who had been molested by like, say, family member that they trusted or a babysitter, and then they held it in and they could not really fight for themselves and nobody else would fight for them as well. In many ways, I didn't feel like I was in the same situation and that it was almost even unfair for me to share my experience because I I left my situation fighting. And so when you think about a young person who is molested by an older relative, like that person is helpless. But I left my attack fighting. And so um, the counselors thought that, you know, maybe some of the advice that I gave, because I was, you know, definitely um, in a different space at that point, just Mentally, I was younger. I was probably about 29, close to 30, something like that. And um, and I was, like, telling them they need to use violence against the person. That basically, that person was violating them. And so the counselors thought, Samantha, you're kind of productive here. Because <laughs> that's what I think, you know, like, if somebody hurts you physically, that you should hurt them back. And so, but anyway, my my um, personal counseling sessions one allowed me to just probably function a little bit better and not be defined by my attack Um, I certainly 
I don't want to be insensitive to anyone who has been molested or raped. Um, but I do think that there is a tomorrow. And, and that if you really, really, really want recovery and life after the attack, that it starts with a mindset. And, and your mind has to say, you know what, I'm not going to be defined by it. And I'm not going to let the person who who violated me win because that's really what happens when we when we can't get over it. Our attackers are the winners because we are held captive to the experience and we can't get out of it. So for me, I just feel like I've had some, you know, a lot of other experiences. You know, we need like five podcasts to go over that. But for the most part, I just felt like I wasn't going to be defined by it. And I I wanted, you know, like I had graduated from college. I had a successful career in television. And that if I let my attacker win, I was going to be essentially surrendering all of those things um, to the person who violated me. And so Listen, maybe that's why I'm fired. Yeah, what's so great about you is that, and what probably separates you from other people, men and women, you didn't stay silent. Like you continue to use your voice. You continue to fight and move move forward. I was, <clears throat> when I was molested as a young kid, like you, I left fighting as well. The last thing I did to my molester is, was that I through back in the day you know soda waters or cold drinks used to come in glass bottles right and one was sitting around on the floor and I said the next time he do something to me or to my, my mom I'm gonna hurt him and I did I picked up a glass bottle and I threw it toward him and cut him across his eye and that was the last time I was in the house with him and my mom and I left fighting so you're right but it has taken me some time to get over this I lost my voice like I didn't know who I was for a really long time um I stayed silent I became not a mute because I talked but I was so quiet and so um to myself you know that I didn't share with anybody um and it, it was just hard for me to cope. I did not gain my voice really until. But I'm so glad that you are so brave to share your story um, with everyone because I can only imagine that there are so many people who are suffering in silence right now, some interest. They don't want to share their experiences because of maybe embarrassment or maybe because they think it's their fault that it happened to them or whatever the situation may be and a lot of times they don't share because they don't hear other people sharing so why share who you know why but thank you so much for your bravery in sharing this because um it has even opened up it has shed some light on me like i need to though i have a you know a husband here or whatever i need to make sure that my alarm is on. i need to make sure that i'm aware of my surroundings whenever i even with my kids so Thank you for that. Have you forgiven your attacker? No. <laughs> I hate to say that, but absolutely not. Um, my attacker is still out there um, because my attacker um, disabled the power to my home 
Um, and I'm basically, um, when he hit me for the first time, um, I was pretty much kind of out of it. And um, I never really could see him. Um, I could tell his body, um, like he was slender build, that he was African-American and that he was dark complexion. But I, he is still out there and he could be doing the same thing to other people. Um, you know, certainly, I think that when you can, um, so say for instance, like we think about your situation, you could have a discussion with your attacker and your attacker could ask for forgiveness, then you could give them that sort of graciousness and forgiveness. But my attacker is a coward. And until he is brought to justice and I can see him in his face and uh, I guess question him about why me, then I will never forgive. Now, does that mean that I have like some kind of hatred in my heart for other people? Absolutely not. If you don't do me anything, I won't do you anything. But I'm sorry. I'm just not at a point where I could say I could forgive someone who was a coward and who violated me in such a manner. Well, I, I <laughs> you don't have to apologize for that. That is your, that is your own villain, and you don't have to apologize for not forgiving him. Sometimes it takes us take us a while to get to that point, and I don't think that um, any of your blessings won't come to you because you have not forgiven him. That is something very traumatic that he put your attack put you through. You know, so I. no need to apologize do you think that running helps you cope with this in some kind of way so certainly any sort of exercise gives me an opportunity to clear my mind and um, and just pretty much uh, it it just takes me it gives me peace of mind so usually when I'm running and exercising I am except CG like when I'm doing CG it's pretty intense so I have to focus on doing the moves right but like running (laughs) definitely gives me an opportunity to clear my mind and um and you know like in some sometimes I think about I try not to think about being attacked when I'm running out in the streets because it makes me paranoid and I end up tripping Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. for the most part running does offer me a refuge to um to just you know just clear my mind to enjoy the awesome things that have happened in my life um although there are some things that aren't perfect I'm very I have a lot to be grateful for I mean you know I am I'm a homeowner I have a well-adjusted child who actually moves out (laughs) I um you know I have an awesome career that allows me to use my passion as my hobby um and for the most part I have a lot to be um thankful for and so running kind of gives me that it gives me something for myself um, but it has brought me a lot of goodness, like um, running, even though uh, my connection to you probably is CG first and running second, um, running is probably what has made our relationship stronger. And so uh, it is always great to see all the awesome things that you're doing with your fitness, with your bodies, with um, being an awesome mom and uh, fabulous hairstylist, 
girl, you have a lot going on and um I I am inspired by the things that you do and it definitely makes me think that the possibilities are endless when it comes to doing what you want to do. They are very endless. Like that's I was gonna take a turn with this and end it on a lighter note. Like you are such an inspiration to so many people. Your your laughter, your energy is contagious. And we all pick it up when we're around you. And I just want to tell you, just keep going, keep moving forward. I know that you have a lot of things that you want to accomplish in life and you are well on your way to accomplishing those things. I know that you love empowering other women just like I do. I know that you're an inspiration to other women. And I thank you for coming on the podcast and co-hosting with me. It has been a joy. I've learned a lot about you. And I don't feel pity for you because you are a very strong woman and you have fought your way out of this thing. And what I do feel about you is that you are light to the world and you're gonna, your story is going to help a lot of people. Thank you. I'm happy to share. And if it helps one person, certainly yes. it's worthwhile to share the story. Uh, certainly... Yes. Um, I don't feel defined by my tag and any woman who has been violated in a similar manner should not uh, allow anything to stop them from being amazing because of a bad situation. Amen. So do you have a mantra that you live by? Oh, geez. I have lots of mantras. Um, And my current mantra actually is can't stop won't stop i refuse to give up on anything that i have set my mind to i think that sometimes um i've been doing some like self-development and so um Mm -hmm. there's this lady her name is rachel hollis she's like a blogger and instagram queen and and etc and so she has a couple yeah she's a book writer too and so she's awesome so she I just recently I read it on audio (laughs) because I'm too busy to sit down and just take it to a book but um she has a book it's called girl wash your face yes I have it stop apologizing and so it's kind of funny um just kind of listening to her story she has humble beginnings just like everybody else and she decided that she wanted to be a mogul. She she basically talked about like setting some goals and, and we all talk about like smart goals. And so the last um, thing smart is for, um, S is for, um, oh, what is S for? I can't even think right now. A specific, um, M is for measurable, A is for attainable, R is for realistic, and then T is for timely. And so in her, thing she talks about like you know if you set a goal and you don't reach it in the time that you set it doesn't necessarily mean that the goal that you should abort on the goal like basically Mm -hmm. you can't keep going with the goal because if you're working towards the goal using the other parts in smart then you're closer to the goal than you were and so often I have aborted on goals because I didn't reach them in the time that I set for myself. But it might not even be a realistic timeline, even though maybe the rest of the smart, or the smart <laughs> without the T, 
uh, says that they are, it's realistic to reach it in that time frame. But if I am constantly moving towards that goal, then at some point I will achieve it. She also talks about the word no. Like if you say, you know, you want something and this person helps you get to it, but they say no, um, no doesn't necessarily mean never. It means that mm-hmm. you have to find another route to get to where you need to be. And yeah. so I decided that I'm going to apply like many of her philosophies uh, to my life. Not so much just for this year, but just in general. Um, I think that often we um, we let other things or the world around us uh, set goals for us. But um, yeah. we have to know what we want and who we are in order to achieve it. And so I've been kind of looking at some of my spiritual gifts. I've been looking at some of the things that make me awesome and amazing. And then um, I'm going to decide exactly the direction that I want to head based on the things, you know, the talents that I've been given. Um, Sometimes I, um, it's kind of funny. So like, I am like really good at communication. You know, I'm good with people. I know how to tear down some barriers, like people who might off the surface not like me. I could figure out how to break the barriers to make, make I guess, make myself more acceptable to them. But um, one of the things that I often get approached by is like people who want me to do multi-level marketing things. I mean, like I have done almost everything and I have been approached by everything. And so last year, or maybe a year before last, I can't remember, I, I allowed some, someone and something to like make me say, you know what, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I really didn't want to do it like in my heart because I, even though I spent my money on it, I did absolutely nothing to mm-hmm. pursue it. Mm-hmm. And so in my heart, I knew that I should have never even spent my money on it. Um, the good thing that I got out of it is that I guess because I did spend my money on it, it allowed someone else to reach their goal. So, okay, I could see the good in that. But for me, that was a waste of my money. And so mm-hmm. I decided that, one, I don't want to do anything that that doesn't help me. And so also I always talk about how I want to be an entrepreneur and stuff like that. Um, right now, I manage a retail store. I've never worked mm-hmm. in retail, uh, but I've always worked in sales. And so I know that that might seem like oxymoron, but you, if you know how retail works or sales works, then you know that it doesn't necessarily have to be. But um, for the most part, I, um, I realized that really what I desire to do more than anything else is finish something. Like I... Mm-hmm. I don't want to move on to the next latest and greatest thing um, to be rich and amazing. I want to start a goal and I want to finish it. If if I'm not doing a good job at something, then I need to find ways to fix it so that way I could actually finish the goal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, I it took that situation to make me realize that other people's goals for me and not my goals. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that seems like really, really simple. But um, my son is like, my son is, this situation kind of applies to my son. My son was, because he isn't anymore, was an amazing baseball player. Well, he was a great baseball player. But he, he 
never really did the things that he needed to do in order to be better to go to the next level uh, beyond like college and so but that's his goals even though I knew he had the potential it, it's up to him to pursue it and mm-hmm. at some point I realized that I can't want for him want more for him than he wants for himself and that it is his goal his actions will ultimately have to be used in order to achieve that goal because I'm I can't hit a home run I can't catch a fly ball maybe I can catch a fly ball but not a good one I can't throw it in for an out but for the most part those are the things that he has to do and I can't push him to achieve something that I think he wants he has to do that and as a parent it is my job to support sorry it is my job to support whatever he decides to pursue so I mean you know I certainly wish my son well in anything that he decides to do um, but ultimately he has to do it and so I apply that to myself like if someone else sees something in me if I don't see it in myself or I don't see it as something I want to do then then that's on me (laughs) that doesn't mean my life is less fulfilled it just means that I don't want to pursue the goals you set for me I want to pursue my own goals for myself (laughs) you know you know speaking of that I um I I don't think I've ever set out to be an entrepreneur right like I knew at a very young age I wanted to have my own beauty salon but I didn't know what that really meant and I definitely didn't know the word entrepreneur so (laughs) what I realized is that my life has just been unfolding in the way that it should unfold without any force and because of that I'm now realizing that I'm an entrepreneur I didn't set out to be this but this is how my life is unfolding uh-huh. And so I'm naturally now just going with the flow and not forcing anything, if that makes sense, right? So, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not doing anything that I don't want to do anymore for anybody. I'm doing what it is that I want to do, what I want to accomplish. And if I fail at it, then at least I'll try. Exactly. You're absolutely, I mean, like, I could not have put that any better. It's like, you're doing what you want to do for yourself. If it doesn't measure up, then guess what? Who is impacted by that? Maybe your family directly, but nobody else out in the world. It's on you. And so uh, if you never try, then you never will achieve the things that, you know, that exist or that are possible. But I think it has to be on your own accord. It can't be what someone else thinks you should do. You're absolutely right. I was thinking about this quote, and I know you have to go, but I was thinking about this quote um, that I absolutely love. And it kind of intertwines with what we're talking about right now, but the quote says, it took me quite a long time to develop a voice, and now that I have it, I am not going to be silent. And I am going to end our podcast with that quote and also by saying thank you so much for being brave and sharing your story. Thanks for having me.
You're so very welcome. And we got to come back and do this again. Cementers Williams, you may be my sister. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely sisters in spirit, but we may have we may have crossed the bloodline All righty. Well, thank you again for having me. It has been um it has been um real. <laughs> very real <laughs> so real I'm like oh my god I know I've shared my story before but every time there is some piece of it I'm like uh. but you know if it helps somebody then we've done our job I agree I agree and I think I, I think that um, mission accomplished it will help someone it will well you have a great day sister you do the I same talk to you soon Alrighty, thanks again. Alright, be blessed. Okay, you too. Bye bye.